Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. So 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. 1 John 4, 11 through 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfect in us. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. Try it again. There it is. Okay. Welcome this morning. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Oh, well, hey, I'm Pastor uh, John Mark, Creative Arts uh, Pastor here, and let me be the first to um, get the day started right, uh, if we haven't done that already. Happy National Spider-Man Day, if you guys weren't aware of that. Um, it's, uh, it's August 1st, and it's important to, you know, mention important things like this. If you didn't know, um, uh, you can actually check that out on the web. <clears throat> um, Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, oh, keep going. Well, then today's bound to be amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, amazing. You got me. It's all right. It's cool. It's cool. We'll swing back around to this later if we need to. I should stop and just stick to my notes. I'll just stick to my notes. All right. I apologize. Dad, I'm a dad, so I have permission, right? Okay. <laughs> Dad jokes all day long, especially if we mix Spider-Man in. I, I just, we can go all day. Okay, <laughs> I should pray. I need to ask forgiveness. I should pray. Father, it's fun to have uh, fun with friends, um, especially when we throw Spider-Man in. It's super fun. Uh, thank you for Spider-Man, Lord. That's super cool. Um, uh, in all seriousness, Lord, uh, I want to thank you for your love, your ridiculously awesome, really crazy love. It's reckless. Thank you so much. For that, it's on display for all to see. Thank you, Lord, for loving us in a way that's so personal and accessible. It's not just theoretical or abstract. Thank you for your love today. Thank you. We've sung about it today. We've experienced it. Thank you, Lord God, and you have made us stewards of this love. God, give us the wisdom and the courage to love people and to love differently. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so Candace read a great passage of scripture for me today um, from 1 John. And of course, the idea there uh, is that God is love. Now, this principle, this truth, if you will, um, is uh, core to Christianity. It's also unique to Christianity. We should pause for just a second and just say this. The idea of love <clears throat> already immediately um, there might be a part of your brain that's tuning out because if you have uh, 
been to church at all or for years, this topic is white noise. You haven't heard about love once. You've heard about love, the message of love uh, thousands of times, right? You've heard it sung, you've heard it preached, you've heard it talked, you've heard uh, it in film and in, in stories. I mean, it's just everywhere, right? So it's white noise. White noise, you know what I mean by white noise, right? You hear it so much, you tune it out. It's like a fan on when you go to sleep at night or something. So it's just, love can be that way. The topic of love can be that way. But understand this, that this principle that God is love, and then the implications of that, this is revolutionary. And it was. John, the Apostle John, who penned this that we just looked at in verse 16 and then verse 11 through 12, um, he was the first one to pen this, uh, these thoughts. God is love. God is personable. His love is accessible. Um, and I'm a steward of that. And this is, it was the first time that this message was, was penned. And I think that's interesting because um, this really was the heart of Jesus' message. If you look at uh, everything that Jesus taught, everything that Jesus lived, it was really conditioning his disciples to love people differently. And here's the truth. We could, we could, we have a million different ideas here in this room uh, and then online as you're listening. I mean, there's, we could disagree about so many things, but there's one thing that we can absolutely all agree on, and that is that we are all desperate for love. Um, if you like the show Friends at All, you might remember this scene with uh, Chandler. Check this out. It's just kind of... <laughs> you know what? It's getting really late, and I, I should just... Um... Hold on, you go. I've scared you. I've said too much. I'm hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. <laughs> hey, Janice, it's me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just wanted to apologize in advance for having chased you down the street. But, <laughs> Oh, Chandler. Uh, we're hopeless and, uh, hopeless and awkward and desperate for love. I think that's a kind of a great description of humanity. Um, and it's so true. It really is true. Um, and it is why people were so drawn to Jesus. Um, you know, you just think about it. Jesus just looked at people and said, follow me. And there was just this like, yeah, okay. I'm in. Has, have you guys seen The Chosen? Anybody checked out The Chosen now? What a great example of that. If you haven't, you're welcome. Go check that out today. Uh, it's a free app. You just download it, and then you can kind of broadcast it to your TV. It's kind of different if you're not used to doing that kind of thing, but it's worth it. Check it out. So anyways, there's this, uh, there's this thing that, that Jesus did, and he taught his disciples to do just to love people differently, and people are just hungry for that. And you know, guess what? Humans haven't changed. In all of this time, we haven't changed at all uh, because there is this uh, empty space, this, this, this core, the center of our being, our spirit man, our soul, however you want to refer to that, that is just desperate and for this thing that only God can provide because remember, God is love. And, you know, people say, and this isn't a political statement at all by any means, but people will say there's a meme that goes around that like love is love. But the truth is that we, we can see if we kind of just 
take all of the politics out of it, we look at, we say love isn't love. I mean, there's all different kinds of expressions of love, and love is not the same across the board, right? Love is not love. And so Jesus taught us to love differently, and he literally did love differently. He just didn't teach it. Religions teach. They do a good job of teaching. And, and you look at all different kinds of religions, and you see all different kinds of thoughts about love. And religions teach that God loves you know, that's not unique to Christianity, uh, but the idea that God is love, and especially when you unpack who God is, and then when you unpack what love is, and you define those two things, that's when you're like, okay, there's no other religion. Christianity is unique, and it stands alone in this principle, and it goes back. That's because Christianity, let's just, let's just make this super simple. That's because Christianity goes back to Christ. We all look back to Jesus. And so I know this. Jesus said this. He said this in John 13, 35. He said, by this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, the way that Christians, that his disciples have lived this verse out historically is a mixed bag. If I can just walk into the tension here for a moment. Yeah, because look, yes, we have been shining examples We've also been horrible examples. And so it's a mixed bag, and I want to own that right up front. I have friends. I have a lot of friends because I'm a, I'm, I have a full-time secular uh, job manager. And so I have a lot of friends that are, um, yeah, they, they hate church. They hate Christianity. Really, nobody hates Jesus, which is an interesting thing. But the the the, the hate as I've had people tell me, like, I just really, if I see that a business is Christian, I won't do business with them because I already know I'm going to have awful customer service. They're not going to listen to me. They're just going to assume that they're right and they could care less what I have to say. Man, that's convicting, y'all. Like, we can't continue down that path. So I'm just saying maybe that was, you can just chalk that up just like, well, that's, you know, really uh, <laughs> that's kind of generalizing and stereotyping, right? You know, clearly that can't be the case with all Christians, right? But I'm just saying it's, it's indicative of something that maybe we need to address in our midst. The way that we treat people matters. I think we've kind of maybe missed the ball on that. Jesus said that the, the way that people will recognize that we are his disciples is because that we will love differently, ultimately, right? Love different. It's a different love noun and we want to love differently adverb okay so here's the here's the thing if we if we reset and we refocus and we just chalk up some of history to people being people and people missing the bar we can go back to jesus and jesus set a new standard think about it like this we always think we look at where we are right now in 2021 and people talk about america for example we talk about how bad things are how evil things are how bad you know how messed up things are. And yeah, but we don't have a full context or understanding of, of history either, though, when we say that. Because we look back to the ancient world, for example, the world that the disciples grew up in. If we go back to that world, guys, I know things are, are bad, but they don't even begin to compare to the ancient world. So we have this unique lens here in, in America and in the westernized uh, world. We have this unique lens of a Christian worldview, a worldview that, that 
even though we miss the bar, so many, even though there's trafficking and even though there is abuses and injustice and racial divide, even though all of that exists, we still have this thing that goes, yeah, but it shouldn't be that way. But in the ancient world, that didn't even exist. People were like, yeah, that's just the way it is. Human lives were of zero value. If you, you know, there was, there, so Jesus set a new standard. That's one of the things we want to kind of look to when we think about love differently is that here in our culture, because we have this Christian worldview, um, whether you embrace Christianity or not, we all benefit as a society from the fact that Jesus set a new standard on how we should treat one another, on how we should relate to one another. And so um, th- this idea, I'm just going to say it this way. This is my entire message, okay? So if you write this down right now, you, you, you save yourself another 20 minutes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, so here, here's the, the entire message, all in one, one piece. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. All right, and then here's four ways that we can express that and live it out. God is love. Love sees, love stops, love listens, and love cultivates kindness. So God is love. Love sees, love stops, love listens, and love cultivates kindness. Okay, you with me? Now, this idea is, again, not brand new. It's it's ancient, <laughs> and it's something you've heard before in church. So it feels like a, maybe a waste of time, but it is revolutionary, guys. It's revolutionary. It has been in the past. It has changed nations, and it can be right here in 2021 in North Phoenix. It can change the city. God is love. Love sees, love stops, love listens, and love cultivate kindness. Really, it's all about how do we live that out. And today I want to make this as practical as I can. Is that cool? I'm a practical dude. I like to teach and just say, hey, how can let's brainstorm. How can we do this? And I think we can do that today. But there's a guy named Fred Rogers that I think uh, gave us some good thoughts about this. And here's one um, from uh, Fred Rogers. Um, He said it this way about love. He said, let's take the gauntlet and make goodness attractive in this so-called next millennium. That's the real job that we have. I'm not talking about Pollyannish kind of stuff. I'm talking about down-to-earth actual goodness, people caring for each other in a myriad of ways rather than people knocking each other off all the time. What changes the world? What changes the world? The only thing that ever really changes the world is when someone, somebody gets the idea that love can abound and can be shared. We had a director that once said to me, you take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star. Yet, it worked. Because he was saying something really important. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all parenting, all relationships. Love or the lack of it. And what we see and hear on the screen is part of who we become. Love is at the root of everything. Love or the lack of it. 
Um, love was, Fred was an interesting guy. First of all, Fred, if you didn't know, he's a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, and he really felt that, that love was what would change people's life. He, obviously, he got that message from Jesus. But um, if, if you didn't see uh, the, the documentary about, about uh, Fred Rogers, we, we learned some interesting things from that. Um, one is that love was really his life's work, and it was at the core of his identity. From his mid-40s, uh, check this out, the number 143 was his, like, Number. Did you know this? 143. Um, it was the address, if I'm not mistaken, of Daniel Tiger on the, uh, at the, at the make-believe neighborhood. You remember the make-believe neighborhood, right? So Daniel Tiger is 143. 143, Fred Rogers said it this way. It takes one letter to say the word I, four letters to say the word love, and three letters to say the word you. 143, I love you. And so for the last 30 years of Fred Rogers' life. He went in, he swam some laps at the pool, and he uh, stood on the scale, and once, once the scale read 143, he got dressed. <laughs> so, isn't that, isn't that a trip? He weighed 143 pounds every day for the last 30 years of his life because he just approached the beginning of every day with his entire being being this, I love you. I love you. Um, and uh, he was, of course, famous for his song, Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Sing it with me. Won't you be my neighbor? And won't you be my neighbor? Um, that is a great question. And that question is actually at the heart of the gospel. Won't you be my neighbor? Is really at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And I think probably we wouldn't go wrong if we adapted that saying uh, as part of our prayer life um, when we consider the people around us. And uh, it, it drives right to a parable that Jesus told um, in Luke chapter 10. I know you're probably familiar with this. It's People refer to it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But here's the context, verse 25. One, on one occasion, an expert in the law... When you see expert in the law, read religious person, okay? An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Um, so let's stop right here, and you're probably familiar with the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, but if not, we'll, we'll spell out it quickly in a few minutes. But Jesus sets up the, this thing by talking about love in action. But the first thing that Jesus does is he agrees with what the religious teacher said, which is that love has an address. Love meets at the intersection of God, love for God, and love for others. That's the, that's the address of love where, where we see love in action. And so Mr. Rogers was all about uh, an address, right? The, this neighborhood. And so that's what 
I think we can start when you, you know, would you be my neighbor? Well, this is where, where that neighborhood exists. The neighborhood of love is right there at that intersection between loving God and loving others. But religion asks uh, and tries to, to skirt that intersection. And what, what religion does is it says, who is my neighbor to justify itself, to excuse itself, and to actually erect barriers to keep people out from that neighborhood. That's what religion does. And, and it, it does it really kind of bat, patting itself on the back and saying, hey, I'm doing a good job and, and I'm loving God. But it misses the address, the intersection between love of God and love of people. Are you with me? But love, what love does, religion does that, love recklessly asks the question, won't you be my neighbor? It invites everyone to the intersection. Religion is a gatekeeper, and it keeps people out from the neighborhood, but love is, an, is, is like inviting people to the party. It's just saying, hey, come on in, come on in, just as you are, just as you are. Mr. Rogers was big on that, if you remember. If you can go back to your childhood, he was big on that, just the way I like you, just the way you are. And I, I think, you know, rightly so, Christian, Christians have really beat the drum of you know, Christians, we need to be different. We need to live differently. And rightly so. But remember that we aren't called to be gatekeepers. To good, when we invite people to Jesus, we just invite them as they are. And we let Jesus do the work. We let the Holy Spirit do the changing, right? And we still believe that, that we live differently because we love differently, right? That's what Jesus was doing. He was teaching us that love changes us. And that's what happened. And we go back to, again, we go back to Jesus. If we reset, if you're at odds this morning with Christianity, if you're listening online or you're here in the room and you're at odds with Christianity, you're at odds maybe with God or with Jesus because people have hurt you, understand that it wasn't Jesus who hurt you. Jesus loves you. I know people have let you down. Maybe people have dropped the ball because we do that. We're messed up. I'm messed up. I have blown it. Man, I, if I've hurt you ever, I apologize. I love you. I want to do better at that. But here is the truth. The truth is that Jesus is, does this perfectly. And, and, and when Jesus loves you, he changes your life. That's the truth. That God is love, and love changes people's life. This is, this is the truth. So the, the question is, is at the heart of loving differently, won't you be my neighbor? So the question is, uh, then evokes a, a more practical question. How do we do that, though? Right? So loving differently means asking, won't you be my neighbor? It means inviting people. So again, we already said, we already know the, the four uh, outline points, right? Love sees, love stops, love listens, and uh, love cultivates kindness. And I think that these four ways of doing that is something that we Americans really struggle with. Super hard, if we can be honest. So uh, number one, if you're writing, I can just kind of flesh it out a little bit here. Love by seeing. How do we love by seeing? Love uh, by seeing means that we just see the person. We see who they are. And we tend, you know, we go through life with blinders on. Have you noticed that? We're, we focus on the things that uh, are immediately of of importance to us. This is why it's so important that we have a prayer life, that we spend time in prayer. We do something similar to what Mr. Rogers did, where we just kind of start the day with like, I want to love well. I want to love people well today. And the reason I say that is because, you know, think about it, anything that's important to you. You know, we, we bought a, a Toyota Sienna, right? 
I had never seen Toyotas and seen the Toyota symbol and seen the color scheme, the white with the red, the clean white uh, lines. I'm a graphic designer, so I pay attention to that kind of stuff, the white, the red, um, the, all this stuff. I had never really paid attention to until we got a Toyota Sienna. And all of a sudden, it's like, there's another Toyota, there's another Toyota, there's another Toyota. I see all the ads. There's a Toyota ad. There's another Toyota. And I recognize the guy. I'm like, hey, I'm that actor. I'm, I'm, he's in everything, isn't he? And it's like, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm focused on Toyotas. Why? Because now it's part of me. And so this is actually can become part of how we see people. When we begin our day, when we're, we're in prayer, and that is something that we're on mission about. It's like, Lord, I just want to see people today. And Rick Ryan was here. Was that last week or was that the week before? Week before, Rick Ryan, Pastor Rick Ryan was here, and he talked about the girl that he saw outside of Circle K, right? But, you know, that's just like a perfect example of every day of our life. And it doesn't have to be, you know, someone who just so happens to be homeless, but it could be anybody. It could be at our work or our job. I mean, I had, I had so many opportunities this week at work. It's just like I'm hyper-focused. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, you know, um, how can I pray for this individual? Because I want to I love people well. There's a revealing Old Testament account. Are you familiar with God as El Roi? Have you heard this term, El Roi? Whenever God would show up to people in the Old Testament, people would encounter God, and they would be like, okay, God has been this to me, and so they would give God a new name, a new way of describing him. And so um, in Genesis chapter 16, you can go read that whole account yourself to get the full context. But verse 13, uh, a woman named Hagar, let's read it here. She, Hagar, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You are the God who sees me. So El Roi uh, is uh, Hebrew for the God who sees me. And that's what I want to say to you first, is that people are changed when we see them, especially when we see them through God's eyes. And what does that look like? Well, she just felt seen. She felt seen. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus was good at seeing people. If you want to, again, I love The Chosen because you'll, you'll see that happen in the, in the document, in the, I call it a documentary. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a show, but it's a documentary. Jesus is real. So, um, but it's cool because of the way they flesh it out with, with the, the, the scripting. But you'll see Jesus is just walking and all of a sudden he'll stop. Everyone continues on their path and he stops and he looks up and he sees the character, right? He sees Matthew. He sees Levi, the tax collector. He sees some, and you're, and all of a sudden they just kind of lock eyes, and it's like he sees me. And it's just it, it, Jesus was good at that. He saw people. One account in Luke chapter uh, seven, verse thirty-six was um, Jesus saw a woman, and uh, it's it's kind of an awkward account if we can be real about it. And so let's read it. One of the Pharisees, and the Pharisee's name was Simon. So this is not Simon. The disciple, there's a Pharisee named Simon, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city uh, who was a sinner, when she leaned that when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. 
and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So we have an awkward encounter here, right? If If you were just plant yourself in there, you know, people love to eat. And when you're at, when you're sitting down for, for me, you know, if we go out to lunch and we're, I'm, I'm going to be like all about this lunch, right? Let's make this lunch a great experience because, uh, I love to eat. And so, um, if you're distracting from that experience, I might be like, hey, let's let's turn this around and let's focus on the, let's enjoy each other and let's enjoy this thing. And so we have this weird thing. This gal is just losing it. Like she's just, she comes up. It's kind of, you know, she's standing behind Jesus. Well, that's kind of creepy. Um, and then just starts kind of weeping and sobbing. And she's crying so much that her tears are making his feet wet. Uh, weird. And then uh, she takes her hair, her hair, to dry his feet. And so everyone is like, "Can you imagine? Can you imagine like trying to not see that? You're at, you're kind of like, um, this is super weird. Is anyone going to talk about this? Um, right? Everybody sees. Everybody sees what's happening. Um, but only Jesus really sees what's happening. If you know what I mean, right?" And that's because um, people are of infinite value to God. People are of infinite value to God. You and I are his crowning creation. He loves us so much. We are so valuable. And Jesus personified this as he walked around, as he, as he taught, as he lived. He, he passed value to people. They didn't even know that they were valuable until they met Jesus. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And so we've got this spectacle, and this, and this Pharisee says, uh, mutters kind of quietly under his breath some unkind words about Jesus and about the woman because uh, he's like, you know, surely if Jesus was a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this is. This is, I mean, I wouldn't have any woman uh, crying on my feet for, you know, starters, but not, especially not this woman. And her hair is nasty. Like, what's he doing? Like, this is weird, man, Jesus. And so Jesus responds. He says to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. And then um, Simon's like, speak, teacher, go ahead. Um, And he tells this parable, which I won't take time to do right now, but he tells this parable about the, how debt, the debt that we owe um, to someone uh, when it's forgiven, um, how that equates to how much we love that individual when that debt is forgiven and, and in the, as it relates to spiritual principles. And so he tells this parable because he sees that this woman is just starting to receive the love of her father. She's receiving her identity in Christ and she, her past is being forgiven and it's setting her free and she is wrecked by it. And nobody else gets it. But Jesus does. And he's like, he, he says this in verse 44 to Simon, to the Pharisee. He says, do you see this woman? Right? Do you see this woman? And maybe that's the question that Jesus might have for all of us this morning when it comes to this topic of love different. 
Do you see this woman? Do you see this coworker? Do you see your spouse? Because Jesus sees, right? Jesus sees. And yeah, you know, everyone was sitting there at table. Of course they saw. We all saw. Ew, weirdo. Like, we all saw. But no, do you see? Do you really see this woman? I'll never forget my friend Rick. Rick Frankie. Um, Rick, uh, you know, I, I never talked to him. I never see him. But he saw me when I was a middle school kid. Uh, we were at camp. I was a weird kid. <laughs> You're like, surprise. Um, and uh, I, I ate lunch every day at home with my mom. I didn't eat on school campus. I had all kinds of crazy allergies. Um, I was as close to being homeschooled as you could get without being homeschooled. <laughs> that should tell you a little something. I love homeschool kids, but you know what I'm talking about. Come on, let's be real. Let's be real. Um, so... Uh, Rick, I, I was at camp. It was my first time being away, and I just felt like super awkward, super, you know, middle school kids super struggle with identity anyway and acceptance. And I just felt like I made a horrible mistake by coming here. <laughs> it was very bad. I'm separated from my mom and dad. I'm homesick. I'm super lonely. And he came up side of me and he's like, my name's Rick. What's yours? Uh, I'm John Mark. Cool. I'm going to go introduce you to some friends of mine. Okay, I like the sound of friends. Um, and so uh, just introduced me, sticks by me, hangs out with me, the whole camp. I walked away like camp was amazing, it was so good. All he did was just like, I'm, you know, it's a simple story, but like he saw me. And uh, I, you could just do a simple exercise, but if you, if you take some time to think about um, who in your life has seen you and really seen you? Just simple exercise. Just stop and think about who in your life have you felt really seen by? That person, immediately, you have an emotional connection with because you felt loved by that person, right? So... Uh, so it was with Jesus, and I think so it is with us. And, and, you know, do we have eyes to see our neighbors as people? Or like Simon, the Pharisee, do we have a filter? Uh, Mark 8, Jesus would ask it this way in verse 17, verse 17 and 18. Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? It's a rebuke, um, and it's convicting to me personally. So, Number one, we love by seeing. You with me so far? Number two, we love by stopping. Okay, I got to explain that one, what I mean. It's, it's really a continuation of seeing. Um, but uh, so this is where Jesus tells the parable here about the Good Samaritan. In verse 30, Luke 10, verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he, everybody say, passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, everybody say, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So it's just a continuation of the, the first point, love sees, but it just takes that, that step just a little bit further, and we'll, we'll unpack this now. How do we do this? 
Um, and the Holy Spirit will unpack this in the days to come because I really do believe this is revolutionary, you guys. I really want to make a change in how I live this out um, in the remaining years that I have left on the planet. Um, but so, so sometimes we see, but, but since love, like we mentioned earlier, since love isn't our primary focus, isn't our primary mission, we keep going. We keep walking because we have other stuff to do. Because we're busy, man. I got to be somewhere. I got, I got a, a place to go, people to see, and you weren't part of that plan. Um, so, again, I'm going back to Fred Rogers. Um, you'll see that he kind of, you know, how could I have a, a title? Today's title, if you didn't catch it, was, you know, Love Different, Be My Neighbor. So how can I have a title, Be My Neighbor, without, you know, really honing in on Mr. Rogers? But um, a, a man that was impacted by Fred Rogers um, recounted his experience with him um, as an adult uh, after he had passed away. And I want to read it to you. Um, the man's name was Anthony Bresnikin. And he talked about how he just so happened to be at a, in a, a building where Fred Rogers came out of the elevator. And um, he immediately was like, oh my gosh, that's Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and was like, hey, I, he's like, I just kind of, you know, star for a moment. And then it was like, hey, I just want to thank you because... I want to thank you for the show. And so he talked about that. He said, and I'm going to read to you now his account. As he went out the door, I said in a kind of rambling gush that I'd stumbled on the show again recently as an adult when I really needed it. So I just said, thanks for that. Mr. Rogers nodded. He paused. He undid his scarf. He motioned to the window and sat down on the ledge. Do you want to tell me what was upsetting you? So I sat. I told him my grandfather had just died. He was one of the few good things I had, and I felt adrift and brokenhearted. Mr. Rogers listened and ministered to the young man from his experience in losing his own grandfather. So now I'll put the, the Twitter, final Twitter thing up on the screen here. But finally, I said, thank you, and I apologized if I made him late for an appointment. Sometimes you're right where you need to be, he said. I think this is just a great practical example of love by stopping. I love that kind of visual, uh, visual picture. He undid his scarf, right? He says he undid his scarf, he motioned to the window, and he sat down on the ledge. Just kind of this, coming, when you're coming out of an elevator, you're on your way to somewhere, right? Which he was, I'm sure. But... He did, the, he did what, we, what we want to do, which is just to stop, to have that next thing be next after this appointment. Because here I have this moment that I can love someone. It's that simple. You know, whatever undoing the scarf looks like for you and I, whatever motioning to a ledge, uh, a window and sitting down on a ledge looks like for you and I in our workplace or in our home with our kids, with our spouse, um, with our coworkers, with our friends, whatever that looks like online, dear Jesus. Um, and boy, do we need help in how we do that. But we gotta love by stopping. And so I, I would just say practically, 
Let's lean into the Holy Spirit. Let's pray, Holy Spirit, help me to learn how to do a love pause. You know? What's that love pause look like? And I think that is revolutionary. Do you think when this guy wrote this, that Mr. Rogers, just in that one moment, think about it, one moment, it made a life impact for him? Apparently, <laughs> it meant a great deal to him. I'm just saying, who knows? Who knows what you and I can do in little moments like that? And who knows how many little moments like that we have missed up to this point? Just because we weren't leaning into loving different. And this is not, a con- this is not meant to be condemning, but it's just meant to be encouraging. Hey, we can- if Mr. Rogers can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and you can do it, right? He-, he would have said there was nothing special about him except that we're all special, right? And so uh, we want to we wanna love by the first thing, love by seeing, love by stopping, and love by listening, love by listening. Again, it's a continuation here. Uh, most people don't like to listen. Let <laughs> me be honest. Here in America, we struggle so hard with this one. Uh, we, we don't listen with intent to understand. And, and maybe if, if you're familiar with the seven highly effective habits of Effective people. I forget the name of the book. You guys know which one book I'm talking about, right? So that book by uh, Stephen, Dr. Stephen Covey, um, he said, and if you're familiar with the book, you're familiar with this, one of the more powerful principles in the book, that seek first to understand, then to be understood. And that's kind of a great way of fleshing out this idea of listening, listening to understand. Um, Romans nine, uh, Romans 12, verse 9 through 20. Uh, and again, there's so much in Scripture about this topic, you guys, and we barely have time to touch it on a topic of live and love differently. But um, here's one, or just kind of sum it up. Verse 9 says, Let love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Um, that the, I love the context that that verse provides, that passage provides for us as it relates to listening to others. And that's how we, that's another way that we show love and that we live and love differently. You, know, let, you can write this down, um, but I think it's, it's a powerful truth. We either listen to others or we listen to pride. Um, we either listen to others or we listen to pride. And the thing about pride is that pride is everything that is not the kingdom of God. Pride is worshiping of self over worshiping of God. That's why, you, you know, that intersection of love is the intersection between God, loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving others. And that's where we get right in that sweet pocket. And that's where, that's where pride disappears, is in that, in that intersection, that neighborhood. That's a neighborhood we want to live in as Christians. And pride isn't allowed in that, um, in that community, not in the sinful sense. Pride doesn't exist there, because pride puts a self above everything, even at the expense of others, right? Um. Bernard of Clairvaux, you're welcome, 
Um, <laughs> he is French, so I had to go the little um, nasal there for a second. Um, I, I, took, I took a whole semester of French. I, I don't remember anything from that. Um, but uh, Bernard of Clairvaux in uh, 1090, uh, sometime between 1090 and 1153, he talked about pride and personified pride as though pride was a person. And so I want to read it to you. Um, and it relates to love, because what we want to do is the exact opposite of this. All right, you ready? Here we go. He must either talk or burst. He hungers and thirsts after hearers to whom he may vaunt his vanities, to whom he may pour forth all his feelings, to whom his character and greatness may become known. Opinions fly around and weighty words resound. He interrupts a questioner. He answers one who does not ask. Ouch. He himself puts the questions. He himself solves them. He cuts short his fellow speaker's unfinished words. He does not care to teach you or to learn from you what he does not know, but to know that you know that he knows. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? This was like a thousand years ago. And it's like, was he on Facebook today? Shoot. Bernard knows what's up. Um... It's so real, right? And what that, what that is, 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 if we can just, it's narcissism, which Americans struggle with, but it's just this idea that everything's about me. And so we struggle, but the problem is when, when we do that, love gets put aside. Love gets, takes a back seat to everything else. But remember, in the kingdom of God, Jesus said, what's the one thing? Love God, love people. So all other values, and there are other important things, right? But everything takes a back, back seat to the value of loving God and loving people, everything else. Every other important value takes a back seat to that one. Every other value takes a back seat to loving God and loving people. That's the way Jesus taught it. That's the way Jesus lived it. So if we can do a reset, a hard reset, and just go back to Jesus, that's how we change our community. Isn't that simple? It's as simple and as complicated as that. Loving people different. Um, Rick Ryan, this week, he posted, again, he, he was uh, uh, teaching a couple weeks ago, and he, this week he talked about the fact that he was at a restaurant with a few friends. And again, same kind of deal, right? This one wasn't, there was no weird woman creeping up behind him, uh, crying and, and, and rubbing his feet with her hair. Um, but uh, there were people that were there and Rick just recognized the moment. He said, hey, thank you so much for bringing this. Um, kind of weird, but can we pray for you and some of your staff today? Would that be all right? And they're like, yeah, okay. And so the cook, I think, I think he said it was the cook, and two of the, two of the wait, waiters or waiters, waitresses, I don't know which it was, so three people, simple, um, had Rick pray for them, and all three people came to church and were introduced to Christ and gave their lives to Christ just from a simple encounter. You posted that that week, and I was like, 
boy, that is exactly it, man. That's like what I want to do. That's how I want to live. That's how I want to be. It's just that simple. Just like, man, you know, whatever that is. And for him, it was like, can I pray for you about uh, anything, you know? But what does that look like for you and I? It's just those simple moments where we see people, you know, how many times do we not think about the person that cooked our meal? How many times do we not think about the person that's in a service industry position that's doing something for us, that's checking us out at the, um, you know, at the, at the grocery store, whatever else. And we, no consideration of the fact that they're a person and they're valuable and God is crazy about them, right? We just look for opportunities to listen, to stop and to listen. Oh, man, Jesus help us, right? Help us to love people by listening. You know who is a great listener? Surprise, Jesus. <laughs> he is a great listener. Um, and you think, like, the person who has a lot to say, the God-man, right, the Messiah, the chosen himself, he has a lot to say. He don't need to listen, right? Nothing he need to learn that we need to share, but he did it. You can see that happening throughout the Gospels if you take time, but let me just point you to one occurrence in Luke chapter 24. This is a post-resurrected Jesus. Whoa! Super cool. Um, so two men are on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. They're walking along. They're super depressed. They're disillusioned uh, by everything that's happened. Jesus walks up. Resurrected Jesus walks up in verse 17. And he says, he asks them, well, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, just look at this as a practical how-to, Right? We just want to apply this practically to our daily lives, whatever this looks like. But this is a real practical way. What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened in these days? Here was an opportunity for Jesus to correct Cleopas, right? Oh, I know. (laughs) I know what's happening. Uh, Who are you to tell me what's happening? I know all about what's happening. And actually, you have no need to be depressed because here I am. Ta-da! Right? Um, But no. What does Jesus say in the next verse? In verse 19, what things? He asked. Why? I just, I mean, you can read the account. It's super cool. I love that that's there. It's such a just, you know, it's the only gospel that gives us this account, but it's so cool. What are you discussing? Oh, tell me about it. What thanks? That's interesting. He just listens. And and why? Because love listens, right? Love listens. Another way of saying it is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So love listens. By the way, the word le- the word listen can be re-scrambled around to spell out silent. Uh, just that's free. Um, so, um, again, if you just take a minute, think about the people in your life who have seen you and then have listened to you. You felt truly seen by and listened to. Well, chances are these people, this person in your life is very memorable to you because you have felt loved by that person. Right? It's that simple. That's, I mean, that, that complicated too. And finally, uh, our last point. Are you with me? Is this okay? I mean, it's kind of, you know, a, a really 
a ho-hum message, but it's just practical, right? Okay, so love sees, love stops, love listens, and finally love by cultivating kindness. Now, um, you could just read through all of Scripture to really dive deep in this. Um, Ephesians 4.32, though, um, says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Kindness is considered a, a, a wasteful kind of thing in America today, in all honesty. It's small and modernized, but understand that it is not small in the kingdom of God. It wasn't small in the way that, that Christ demonstrated it, which, which doesn't mean that, that Christ was this like really effeminate um, man. No, I mean, he was, he was a man's man. Um, so we're not talking about just becoming more girly. If that's if I'm speaking to men today, and you're thinking like, "Yeah, but I'm a I'm a man." Look, men, men, we want to love like Jesus, right? And here's the thing: Jesus was kind when no one else was, when no one else would be, and when people were afraid to be kind, he was kind. He also stood up to people that needed to be stood up to. And by the way, those people were always religious people. If we're going to be real. Um, so, and why? Again, because religious people were gatekeepers. They were the ones that were trying to justify themselves and exclude people from meeting God at that intersection between loving God and loving others. So Jesus was very passionate about making sure that people got to the intersection. Well, we should be too, right? That's, you know, won't you be my neighbor is really the theme and the heart of loving differently. Not only does the early church, if we go back to, um, you know, historic Christianity, not only does the early church celebrate small acts and big acts of, of, of kindness in the book of Acts. You know, that's why it's called Acts, because it's all about Acts. <laughs> but in every letter and every epistle, Paul uh, characterizes Christian conduct as manifestly kind. Uh, in Galatians, in Ephesians, in Philippians, in Colossians, um, in Corinthians. And I've taken time, I don't talk about it, but I've memorized um, at one point in my life every one of those books. Um, and so uh, just quoting from beginning to end. And uh, what we can see as we do that, as we take time to digest the word of God and to let it consume us is that um, love is kind. And he, and he spells that out in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is, remember that one? Kind. Yeah? Love is kind. I want to go back to Mr. Rogers for one more minute, and then we'll wrap it up. A television program for children made its unauspicious debut on station WQED in Pittsburgh. Its host, Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Yes. Yeah. Take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star. Yet, it worked. Hello. I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. He was always trying to get a message across in every show. A week on death. What does assassination mean? A divorce. 
Some people get married and after a while they're so unhappy that they don't want to be married anymore. He was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. They didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. A neighborhood was a place where, at times, that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you. He had a singular vision of kindness and love. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? God is love. His love is kind. And remember, that love is expressly intended to lead us to repentance. He doesn't hold back because we're undeserving. He pours it out. So I, his love is, I just say, it, you know, it's reckless, it's crazy, it's insane. Um, and uh, Ephesians verse 7 if you go read that just talks about the fact that because of this we have a work to do we've been we've been given a stewardship of that love and the good news is that in the economy in God's economy there is no scarcity of love scarcity creates fear we saw that in COVID around toilet paper of all things people got ugly and afraid because they didn't have toilet paper but think about how ugly people can be when they don't have love, when they don't have hope. And so that's our community. Guys, that's what we're living in, you know? <laughs> People are, are destitute. They're so desperate for the love of God. They'd do anything. They just don't know it. They don't know that he's their source, you know? But you know, and I know, so we're stewards. And we don't have to hold back. We don't have to be afraid because God's love is going to run out and we're going to give it to the wrong person and it's going to get wasted. It's not like that, you know? His love's available and it's accessible. And we just trust God. We trust God that the kindness that we pour out is going to be a seed that he will water and, and, and the others will water and, and it will return back. And that is the gospel in a nutshell. That's what it means to love differently. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. 
Hey guys, by the way, the way that we talk matters. Think about this. This is this kind of uh, picture of like being a chef with the way that you speak to people. You know, be like, I don't want to just serve this like this. Let me, how can I make this tastier? How can I make these, this word salad the most delicious thing, entree possible to my hearers? It matters. As Americans, we've blown this completely. Drop the ball. It's okay. That's all right. We got, we got Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit that lives inside us, that he's a teacher. I don't know how to do it right. Man, I have blown it so many times, and I'm still in recovery <laughs> from the times I've blown it. And I think about the times that could bring shame to me if I spent time on them. But, you know, the good news is that there is freedom and there is grace in the Lord. And tomorrow's a new day, man. Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Mm, mm, mm. How can we do it? We love in word. We love in deed. Hey, check it out. Candace talked about it uh, this morning. We can love by buying, some, buying somebody a backpack. Go pick one up from Walmart today. We can love. Love where you live happens on Thursdays. Um, we can meet up here and, and just go love the Palomino community. You have a relationship with coworkers and with your family and friends, people that you know. I mean, the, the ways are, are uh, limitless, right? It's just what, what God is a creative God. And we just free him to give us a creative idea of how to love someone in kindness and God can use it. How cool is that? It's just that, it's just that cool, that, that simple. Um, so again, as the worship team uh, comes, um, since we're together, we might as well say, won't you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? If we live that way, guys, what if we live that way? That's simple. I know I am not cool. I'm the antithesis of cool, but I sure hope I can be kind and would be known through, by kindness um, in the way that I relate to the people that I disagree with, the people that I um, work with. Um, and so we have opportunities to do that. I'm not at liberty to talk about as a manager. I had some things up, came up this week, and it's kind of like, okay, that's an opportunity for me to love someone well, someone maybe I disagree with, but Man, I can, I can love well. Father, um, again, thank you that you have loved us so, uh, so well. We are, in truth, the woman who was weeping and forgiven much, you said. And because she was forgiven so much, she loved so much. And, and in truth, that's us, Lord. We have been given, forgiven so much. Lord, I pray that you would give us <clears throat> eyes to see what you've done for us. And give us eyes to see others. Give us eyes and ears to hear. God, I pray for those who are listening and they're online or they're here in the room and they're just feeling unloved. I just want to go there for a minute. They're feeling unheard. They just feel like no one cares. No one's listening. Oh, Jesus, I just pray that you would remind them that you care and you are listening and you are here right now in the middle 
of their storm. You care. You're here. You're listening. I'm thinking about the fact that Jesus, as you told the story of the Good Samaritan, the one who who went and 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 saw the the Samaritan, the one who who was hated in his community, he was racially profiled, um, and yet he stopped, he saw, and he bound up the the wounds of this man and he took care of him. But Lord, I'm thinking about the fact that you won up to the Good Samaritan because you didn't just take care of us, you took our place. You were beaten and stripped and left for dead and died on the cross. Also, there Romans 5.8, which says God demonstrated his love for us in this, that Christ, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, thank you. If there was ever a doubt that you love us, there it is. There it is. You love us so much. May I thank you that right now you're loving people in this room and online. You are spreading your wings of love over them and you're reminding them that they are of value. If someone is listening right now, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody and you're thinking about ending it all. You're thinking about tossing in the chips. You've even got a plan. I want you to listen. God is here right now speaking to you, and he sees you. He is El Roi, and he sees you, and he's stopping, and he's bringing people to you, and I'm one of them right now. And I'm saying, man, I love you. I care for you. You're listening online right now. I care for you. Uh, let's talk. Let's have a conversation after this. I want to know about what's going on. I want to oh, let's talk because you value and you matter. Holy Spirit, would you just speak louder than my words? Would you speak louder than the circumstances of life? And would you remind us that you love us and and you care for us? And we're not here by accident. You're here uh, by divine appointment. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. Oh, friend. It's the best news that you could have all day, all year, all of your life, is to know that you are loved. It makes all the difference in the world. You are loved You are lovable, and you can be loved, and you can love others. I mean, that is life-changing. That makes all the difference in the world. Thank you, Father. As we continue to pray, some of you feel uh, completely separated by God, and I I just want to remind you that God, in his loving and infinite kindness, sent us Jesus to bridge the gap that we could not bridge. He removed the sin debt. He paid it for you by dying on the cross. So that now you and I, we can be free for all eternity. And we meet him at the intersection in the neighborhood of love. And, you know, if I haven't said it well, forgive me, but Jesus is here right now saying, won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) So as, uh, as Joel sings one last song, here this morning. I want to invite you to to come and pray. You can receive the communion elements, but I just want to challenge you to respond to God the way that you need to. Come on, let's move to Jesus. Let's love different. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.com.
www.thepowerofgodchurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.